Hey everybody, welcome to another round table. We are discussing lots of stuff, uh, mostly films of paranormal make and model. Uh, this one we got today is a fun one, and I got with me Zinger, Justin Zinger, from the Zing This Podcast. Hey Justin, what's going on? Howdy, hey, good to be here. Good to be here at this very round table. It's so round. So round everybody can fit. <laughs> and uh, we also have Derek Hayes from the Monsters Among Us podcast. Derek, what's going on? When can we start calling this thing Knights at the Round Table? Ooh. You know, we might as well. Yes. <laughs> we, we were, how long was it we tried to think of like a clever name for this? And we threw out so many bad ones. <laughs> I, we tried to get them all out of our system. And for some reason, it kept going. <laughs> That's what people are listening saying. <laughs> we should dig up that list. There were some pretty bad ones in there. <sighs> there were some real That's bad true. ones. I can't even think. It's been so long since we've done one. But uh, this is fun. It's it's always a good time to, first of all, it gives us an opportunity, especially me anyway, because I never got to see these weird old documentaries and miniseries and things like that when I was growing up. I love going back and uh, watching these things. And uh, I don't know if you guys, have you guys, uh, did you have this stuff growing up or is this new to you all as well? Uh, yeah, I did actually, but not this one. I I'd never seen this one or even heard of it actually, but there was a lot of these older 70s documentaries that I was pretty keen on. Most of them were the monster variety, not so much of the ancient aliens or, uh, you know, UFOs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was big into like when History Channel had the Histories Mysteries, like that. Yeah. I can see elements from this that carried over through years and years and got to that, but this was something that all the elements of, I guess, the more modern, like ancient aliens and stuff like that are peppered in here, minus one crazy-haired person, but oh, actually, I don't know, that, that one guy that they have talking at that one point, the NASA expert, he's he's kind of got Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I... I... If I don't forget, I, there's something I want to talk about with him, too. But um, this stuff. So today we're going to be talking about In Search of Ancient Mysteries. And this is a 1973, maybe 74. It was a, it was a television special that was um, pre-dating the In Search of series. This I have seen a place say that it was a, a pilot, like one of three pilots that they released. And they I think they say that because it was such a hit that they decided to make a series out of them. Um, and, of course, that launched In Search Of, uh, with which Leonard Nimoy ended up hosting. And that ran for, what, six seasons plus, you know, whatever they're doing now. Uh, and it was a wonderful program. Did you guys ever get into the In Search Of stuff? I was actually much older when I got into that. Um, yeah, I was born in... 79 i probably shouldn't say that out loud but i was born in 79 so i kind of missed a lot of that stuff but uh you know in syndication i picked it up and it was really interesting but uh, i think enough time had passed that it wasn't real for me it was just kind of oh look at his old stuff kind of situation same for me i kind of i mean i'm of course i guess the young buck out of all of uh, the three of us here so i kind of picked it up on like reruns and re-airings on like history or discovery whenever they happen to randomly have it or i think sci-fi ran it for a while too possibly had in search of yeah this definitely predates me um by almost a decade so it uh it was something i really didn't get into or or get the rock turned over for me until I started doing the podcast and getting into this stuff. 
and um, it's great. Like, I enjoy every time I watch it, and I think you can find most all of them just on YouTube anymore, and that's where we watch this. Mm -hmm. It's super easy. This is about, what, 50 minutes long? And um, let's dive into what we thought about it. (laughs) This one is talking about, it's titled Ancient Mysteries. It goes into all kinds of stuff. So if you listen to my Time Life Mysteries uh, round kind of roundtable review that I did with Brent and Ryan a couple episodes back, this is basically about half the books all condensed into one 50-minute special. Uh, so they talk about all kinds of stuff. They bring up Bermuda Triangle. They bring up ancient cultures like Tiwanaku. Uh, they go into detail about Nazca lines. Some. What else did they throw out there, you guys? Uh, they they threw a lot out there, but before we get too deep into this, I just want us to all make sure to synchronize our Timex watches real quick. Timex. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Man, I forgot. I forgot to put that ad at the front of the episode. <laughs> no, I that that caught me so off guard because I was sitting there and I thought that like the video froze or something because I was like, "Is there supposed to be an ad here? What is going on?" Yeah. So it's it's literally an ad that is read like this special is presented by Timex. Make sure you get your Timex watches. They're the only, you know, and it's, it's like old timey radio yeah. almost in a way. I mean, I guess that's, that's how they did it uh, back then, but it wasn't at the beginning though. Right. Like they got into the Nazca lines mm-hmm. and we're talking about it before all of a sudden the show starts with the titles and stuff. And then here comes this ad. <laughs> that's weird. I didn't have that on mine. What? Mine was Adlas. Really? Yeah. You didn't hear the Timex stuff? No, I didn't. That's super strange. The runtime on mine was fifty-two thirty. I don't know if that's the same as your guys's, but you did okay. So the <laughs> the other show was uh, in search of ancient astronauts. You didn't watch that one, did you? <laughs> no, no, I watched the right one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How funny, hilarious but, um... would that be? <laughs> Now I'm getting nervous. To, we'll tackle them all. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody even noticed that I was reviewing the wrong movie. It just seamlessly went with Well, there's got to be so much crossover because if they did an ancient astronauts one, first of all, it's hilarious. And uh, Sukalos, man, turn your card in because it's been done, brother. And second of all, this whole episode was one huge alien like <laughs> it was all about ancient aliens right i actually have a note that says this is essentially a slower version of ancient aliens mm-hmm. because it's you know it's the 1970s everything takes a little longer music slow narration slow and it's exactly what it is it's they're making the same points they're bringing a lot of the same stuff up they just don't have the flashy ga- uh, graphics that ancient alien has they just make sure to pause for a long time on like the moon over some like the gate of the a- sun yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they, they 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 brought up that image like three or four times, and it just I'm like loved it. Oh man, they they were so in that that shot. Like someone sat there all day to get that shot, and they got their money's worth. <laughs> he absolutely did. So they show this uh, shot, the still shot of uh, the gate of the sun, which is a huge gate that's carved out of stone. That's down at uh, I, I think that one's at Tiwanaku, isn't it? Up that sounds right. It's, it's one of the places in uh, Bolivia. And then they've got the moon, you know, in the daytime up above it. You can see it in the sky and they zoom in on it. There was a whole section at the end of that where, there, for me anyways, I don't know if you guys experienced it, but there was no music. There was no yeah. narration. Yep. It was just silent and pictures fading in and out of each other. 
You can't get away with that today. <laughs> I had it on the background while I was doing Like, I watched it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have it on the background in case I missed anything. And once again, I was like, did something happen to my computer? Yeah, yeah. And I check, and I'm like, oh, it's still playing. Why is there no sound? <laughs> Man, I didn't have any of these problems that you guys had. <laughs> oh my God, you watched a different video. <laughs> yeah, everything played Seriously. perfectly fine on my link. There's like four different links on YouTube, and I just clicked one random one, and everything went fine for me. Hilarious. Losers. I, I like the idea that someone that you did watch the right video and someone just like edited all that stuff out. <laughs> so, so what time did you say yours was again? Mine's fifty-two thirty. The runtime. Mine is two. I watched it twice. Oh. I, don't, I have no idea. I don't remember seeing any of that stuff. That's hilarious. I mean, I zoned out for a few minutes. It's a little dry, <laughs> but. <laughs> so, what are you guys' uh, initial impressions of of this? Well, we should probably mention that this is narrated by the wonderful Rod oh, yeah. Sterling uh, from uh, Sterling. Twilight Zone, and, and I'm trying to think of what else he's he's famous for. You know, he's the one of the old timey scary guys. Everybody knows him as the horror guy. So it, that's a really good choice right there to, to begin with, having him do it. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's a great point to bring up. To um, Rod Serling was is just he had to have had some kind of hand in writing it because there were quite a few sections of narration that were. You know, pretty poetic for what it is, mm -hmm. and uh, he was very good about writing monologues in that style. And um, what I read was that he was supposed to be the host of the In Search of series when it came out, and died just before it uh, began production. You know, I heard and that so that's too. That's why they went and got yeah. That's why they got Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, years ago, I remember hearing that, and as soon as you said it, it kind of clicked. That oh yeah, I remember that story. I think he died of lung cancer or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, or pancreatic cancer or some sort of cancer. It was, you know, the 60s or 70s. So, <laughs> Well, if, I wouldn't be surprised if it was lung because, I mean, every Twilight Zone, he's sitting there sucking on a Chesterfield. So. <laughs> <laughs> a sweet old Chesterfield. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I thought the narration was great. And the music was really cool, too. I mean, it was that old, the music, like, yeah. man, it was haunting, like, 70s documentary music is really what it was. But it, I thought it was pretty good. I thought that music held up pretty well, and it really helped set the scene. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned the music, so I have a note here. The music for the brain-powered monkey thing, <laughs> yeah. that was so <laughs> random and out of place. I was okay, to to explain to, to, to the dear listener, there is one point where they find skulls at one of the locations, and they're showing how, like, oh, you know, these skulls have weird, you know, damage to them. And then it cuts to showing very crude, let's put a circuit board into a monkey brain yeah. with the monkey still alive. And the monkey's jumped around with this box on its head. And science has come a long way. <laughs> How terrifying was that? <laughs> but there's the weirdest music during it. <laughs> Can you get, do an impression of it, Justin? I, I don't even know. I'd have to re-listen to it real quick because it was just so out of place. It was like this, do 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 Yeah, like, it's like... <laughs> it was like, yeah, very electronic. <laughs> but man, the, both of those parts, the brain surgery, they're, they're looking at skulls that I believe were 1,700 years old, and they have, like, golf ball-sized holes in them that they chiseled out with these crude tools to do brain surgery on these people. And this one dude they were showing... There was four holes, meaning he survived four different surgeries. What were they looking for in there? Uh, yeah. Like, what do you, I mean, brain. a stick just poking around? Like, what, what the hell are they doing in there? Yeah, maybe maybe he was a, a anti-sacrifice or something, and they, <laughs> they wanted to see what's wrong with him. So, like, 
how do they know that he survived? That's what I wanted to know. They're like, he survived all of these, and this is a very precarious uh, area to, like, dig around in. Well, a, I, a lot of times you can tell where the bone has started to grow over, and obviously it's not going to grow over if you don't survive the surgery. So, you know, if there's signs that the, the bone has begun to heal, then that pretty much tells you that the, the person lived after the surgery for an extended period of time. I believe that's how they, they date that. I'll buy it. And Derek took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually going to use that <laughs> as uh, my guess is they probably showed signs of healing afterwards. Yeah. Um, mm. though, though, going back to that monkey scene once again, I just wish it had like the, the, the news cat or the, 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 the like person's voice over going, science, technology, this is cutting it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just that voice cutting in. The power of monkeys will soon be ours, though it wield. <laughs> A little background on this, just so everybody knows what the hell we're joking about (laughs) they wired this some sort of processor into this monkey's brain i don't know what kind of monkey that was i can't remember but uh it's just like a small small one a small monkey and it's got this like rubik's cube glued to its head yeah and it's like going through its skull and everything and it's running around fighting with other monkeys with this like device on its head it's this bionic creature (laughs) like it's so weird they yeah they were i think they were trying to control it or or like give it directions through this electronic interface kind of thing and and i mean if you want island of dr moreau that's a good start (laughs) it's so creepy yeah it's it's creepy and darpa is probably doing it but otherwise like it's it's pretty as it's about as inhumane as you can get yeah i mean it was one of those moments where i'm like wow this is really old because they would never have shown anything like this like more recently but there's more to this than just monkey brains and monkey technology um a, a thing i wanted to point out is the whole thing starts with like this ominous the sun's gonna die <laughs> in like a million years in like a few billion years or something i think they said four billion is, yeah. was yeah, their estimate it's, it's something like that and i'm like hmm, that's i mean they, they keep going back to like that's why aliens might have come here that's why these visitors might have come here is their is their son could have died or they came here and it's like i'm like sitting there and i'm like this is going in a weird direction to begin with i'm interested <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely catchy. So, I mean, that's... I'm sure Ancient Aliens has covered that. But, no, it's it's it was really cool because they, they, they did the Nazca lines to begin with, which um, I kind of have this thing in the back of my mind now with those where I'm like, I don't know how I really feel about them, to be honest. I'm like, do I really think they were, like, something laid out for the gods? Like, quote, like real, quote-unquote, gods, something from the sky? Or do I think that they were just more something that... Hey, we got nothing to do for a few weeks. Let's go walk around in the desert and make giant pictographs that right. will be there. For, I, I don't know. What What are your guys' thoughts on the Nazca lines? Because, I mean, the information they showed here is not that much different from the information they'd show in, like, a thing today on the Nazca lines, in my opinion. I share the same opinion, I'll be honest. Um, I've never been impressed with well, – I'm obviously impressed. I think it's a, an amazing feat of, of human ability to create these lines, but – I don't think that they're speaking to UFOs or aliens or anything like that. And, and even in this documentary, there's a, a quote in there saying that there's no way a human could make these without some sort of assistance from the sky. Well, if you look at some of these quote-unquote drawings, if you want to call them that, or petroglyphs or whatever these things are actually called, they're crude. I mean, they're not, like, well done. It looks like refrigerator art. So, uh, of course they can do this. I mean, I can go out in my driveway right now and make a 50-foot guy 
He's not going to look great, but he's going to, you'll be able to tell from the sky that that's a dude and not, you know, like a snake or something else. Yeah. So I just think that, you know, they took a lot of mescaline and uh, tripping balls <laughs> and decided, oh, let's go make some like scorpions in the desert. So a couple guys go out there and start making art and it's still there because it's in super arid region that gets no moisture and no wind and, and whatever else to, to take these lines away. That, that's my humble opinion on it, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the thing I had a, the biggest problem with is they kept saying, and they'll say this today, too, they they kept saying they drew these lines in the ground, but the only way to view them is from the sky. And I'm just like, they're in the middle of the mountains. Like, the things in England, you can see them from the next hillside. Like, mm -hmm. what oh, are you yeah, talking about? Ones. <laughs> by, by the way, it made my day, because I'm like, I wonder if they're going to show that one where it's got the giant boat up there it is. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there and they yeah. kept showing different ones, and I'm like, "Isn't it the one that has the oh, there it is?" Yeah, I knew it was gonna come up. I'm with you, Derek. These guys are like, "Hey, let's do a bunch of mescaline and then go walk in a dong shape." <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me that that's less believable than ancient aliens? <laughs> come on, and that's We're the other humans. thing that gets me about like the 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 oh they 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 put these perfect runways there. I'm like. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I've I've read a few UFO reports and stuff. Remember how when the UFOs come down to land, they need a runway to fly down and slowly stop. <laughs> yeah, that's a ridiculous right? concept. That that any interstellar, uh, what, what's the word there? Uh, interstellar yeah, travel yeah. is that correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, vehicle that would travel that way would require some sort of runway is preposterous. Uh, that's just not how that travel would take place. Just coming coming down to abduct somebody and they overshoot them. Aw, oh, dang it, clip clop. We gotta <laughs> yeah. fly back around. <laughs> well, that's like there was a certain point where they were talking. I don't know anything about the Bible, but they were talking about. I think it was Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, maybe. Yeah, the Ezekiel's this, wheel. This creature came, or this uh, device or something came down, and and Ezekiel thought it was a creature, but this NASA scientist thinks that it's some sort of craft with. Uh, uh, helicopter propellers on it like aliens are going to build a craft yeah. with helicopter propellers to get all the way to earth like it just the ideas they had were, were crazy and that is still something they bring up in ancient aliens because it's like described as wheels within wheels and has many yeah. faces and stuff yeah like definitely sounds like someone was once again maybe on mescaline <laughs> peyote maybe <laughs> all that stuff i think is in chariots of the gods I, I think, yeah. which is, uh, that's what the first uh, special was based on. And that's something that I found particularly disturbing in this, in this special is that that guy who I think, like, like you said, I think he was a NASA scientist. He was some kind of scientist yeah. sitting there being like, and the best evidence for this that we have <laughs> comes from the Bible. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it says, okay. right, NASA scientists saying this. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, you're a scientist. Joseph Bluebridge, I believe, is this guy's name. And he actually wrote a book. He wrote a book in 1974, so around the time this came out, um, called The Spaceships of Ezekiel. Ah, uh, well, that's why they got him. Yes. Uh, that's funny. Oh, actually, the cover of this book's actually really interesting. Are, I'm going to read... This, this is the entire cover of the book, because apparently you just put huge word blobs on the front of it. Are the Eric Von Danigan theories really true? Was the Earth once visited from outer space? Did aliens walk on our planet? A major NASA engineer reveals some astonishing facts. Picture of a UFO looking top with 
propellers everywhere. The spaceships of Ezekiel. <laughs> the hot air balloons of Ezekiel. Yeah, I actually the dirigibles. Have a, uh, I have another note that says, it just says this. Something tells me 100% of the quote-unquote science shared in this movie is total bullshit. NASA actually stands for not actual scientist anymore. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot for us to learn here. I mean, this is what people thought back in the 70s. Uh, and and it's, it's crazy to see how far we've come, how our opinions have changed, and how some of this stuff sounds ludicrous. And there's a few things in there we're thinking, well, that still checks out, which yeah. probably sounds crazy as well. So it's a slippery slope, man. They cover so much stuff because they also then go into uh, out-of-place artifacts, oop-arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go into like the Antikythera mechanism from Greece, uh, which yep. they actually tied that into a pretty interesting uh, detail. There, they have this thing called the the Tower of the Wind. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I've they... never heard of that before. I hadn't either. That was interesting. I hadn't either. And they're like uh, historians have debated and pulled their hair out trying to figure out what this was for. And uh, I'm sitting there like it's Tower of the Winds. Well, it's probably a public bathroom. But uh, then they tie it into um, they tie it into the Antikythera mechanism, saying that it was some kind of uh, housing for a clock um, tower or something like that, which seems pretty cool. And just a little background: what is that device? I know, but well, actually, I don't know. Tell me. Well, they <laughs> I know what it looks they like. Said and it that's was, about it. It was supposed to be um, some kind of ancient computer, and not like you know, MacBook. Yeah, they said it was built in eighty BC. If that helps. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, something I think they they have landed on it being sort of like an astrological calendar kind of thing that was supposed to compute uh, when the, probably the lunar cycles, if I remember right, something like that. And it was found at the bottom of the ocean by a sponge diver in, I want to say, the 30s or something, right? Mm-hmm, yep, yep. Crazy. Yep, but it, uh, yeah, it, and that, that thing's legit. Like, that's not an out-of-place artifact. That's an actual artifact uh, as far as we know, like that's one of the most legit things. But again, it doesn't necessarily change the paradigm to find this. It just means that, hey, these people were thinking about stuff a lot uh, sooner than, you know, some other places. But maybe it was just one dude because there's not a lot of these around. Hmm. That's always been an interesting one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was another aspect that really caught my attention and I didn't take good enough notes to tell you where this rock is, but they were talking about a boulder that's in the corner of one of these walls that was so magnetized that if you took a, a compass near it, the needle yeah. would spin. And apparently there's some sort of snake carved in it, but it looked like it was carved in there with some sort of crude laser or something. It was like melted in there <laughs> and it didn't really look like a snake. It was like a, it was like a wiggly, wiggly hole. Yeah. Like a long wiggly hole line or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's crazy, though. Like, how did they find this stone? How did they know it was magnetized if they didn't have metal? Uh, you know, the stuff like that, it really makes you wonder. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're talking about the original people to find this, right? Not, like, the scientists or the geologists. That well, found I'm talking about recently. the people that created this uh, okay. this wall and discovered the actual boulder to put it into the wall. Uh, they they said multiple times that the people that, that created all these structures didn't have access to metal tools. They didn't know metalworking because this was in, uh, I want to say Brazil or Argentina. Or, it's down Southern America somewhere, South America somewhere. I'm so prepared for this, guys. You just have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
but yeah, it just blew my mind. I'm like, I don't understand how they know that. Obviously, they probably have some sort of metal that they've been working with, but maybe didn't shape it into tools, and that's how they discovered it. But uh, it is still a fascinating element to me that that this boulder was so magnetized and had this weird mark in it as well. They did say that, but didn't didn't the guy with the skulls come out there later and say, yeah, they shaved the head and drilled into this thing, and then he had like a metal tool that he I was, saw the same thing, like, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> it could have been two different civilizations, I guess. It, it but. Possibly. And that's the other thing, too. They kind of just glazed over where these places were. They're like, in the hills, blah, 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 and then that's it. Like, you have to remember where they said. But they went all over the place. They went to Petra. They went, like you said, Nazca. I think they were um, Machu Picchu at some point or up in that area like anywhere. Titicaca. Titicaca. You just wanted to say Titicaca. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I actually, in my in my notes, I have ha-ha Titicaca. <laughs> well, that was another thing. They they did the old uh, you can only tell from the air because they were like Titicaca means jaguar stone or something like that. And then they're like, they showed an outline of, of the lake. And it looks, it kind of looks like a, a little cat strangling a rabbit or something. And they're like, how did they know that this was a jaguar-shaped titicaca if they weren't able to see it from the air? Well, the, the answer is right there in what you said. They called it jaguar stone, not jaguar shape or jaguar lake or anything. <laughs> and this is an animal that lives there, so of course they're going to name stuff after it. Uh, I think it is it is really interesting that the lake is shaped like, and you can clearly see it in the video that you see a rabbit and a jaguar, but I don't think anybody made it. I think that looks like a coincidence to me. I, I think if you give me a yellow highlighter and some film, I can circle stuff and be like, look, there's a bunny. Look, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> there's a tiger. Look, there's a person's face. So I think my favorite part of the whole thing, and it's not a single part, this happened like every five minutes. <laughs> was Rod Serling would be describing, you know, one of these things. And he'd be like, the Atacama Plateau is high and dry above the plains, and that's why things can be drawn in the dirt there and survive. And these lines look like they point to something. Therefore, interdimensional alien travel. <laughs> I remember and that I'm line. I'm like, wait a minute. What? I'm like... How did you, to that, what? And then and then he's like, a cataclysmic volcano, one the world has <laughs> never seen before, exploded onto an island in the Atlantic Ocean. Therefore, ancient aliens built Atlantis, and they have a stargate to get to Beta Reticuli. And I'm like, whoa! Can we pump the brakes? <laughs> I, I will admit, in this, in this show, they do like just leap from one topic to another like they don't really answer anything they just let's ask these questions next topic these questions next yeah. topic just aliens. like ancient next aliens topic. <laughs> the best part is that they go from a to b to c to y like they jump <laughs> the alphabet to get to their conclusion <laughs> at a certain point they say that that uh, the bermuda triangle has the activity that it does because ancient aliens put a beacon there that messes with our uh, navigational oh, yeah. tools. Like, they just said it like that was a fact. <laughs> <laughs> like, they got this thing in their basement or something. And Okay, so there was something really weird with that that I've never heard. Because they talk about Flight 19. Mm -hmm. And then they talk about, like, one of the ships reporting that 
they look like they're from outer space or something that they mm-hmm. like radioed that back. I'm like, I have never, ever heard that before. Uh, I'd never heard that direct quote either. And no, they said that, that was, was like, intercepted what? by an uh, amateur ham radio operator. He intercepted that correspondence, I guess. I've never heard that before. So that caught me off guard. I'm like, what? No, there's no way that can be part of that. Because I don't remember if it was the they said it was the rescue ship or the rescue ship, a communication between a rescue ship and the um the captain of Flight 19. But at the same time, I'm like, if it's something that's never been brought up since then, maybe it's because someone like was like, oh man, I was just messing with you guys. Sorry. <laughs> thought it'd be real funny to get on TV, but they really didn't interview me, so I'm going to take that back now. A plane was flying over the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) Suddenly, its instruments start going haywire. They radio for help, and they report seeing something off the starboard bow. Therefore, a teleportation device to (laughs) Upsilon 6 in the Gamma Quadrant. (laughs) And the captain could be heard saying... There's something yeah. on the wing. There's some... <laughs> yeah, one on the wing. Something. Oh, boy. The, literally, like, if you guys go and watch this, listen for Rod Serling to just make these gigantic leaps in what he says. And it's not like Rod Serling saying this. I'm sure somebody wrote it. But, like, the flight goes missing. Yeah, therefore, teleportation to another galaxy. Well, back back then, who's going to check this stuff, and where are you going to check it? You're going to have to read an entire book to find out if Rod Sterling's lying to you, and who has time for that? You're going to have to go to the library. You're going to have to make sure that you're, you know, the, the last time you checked out a ton of books to research and prove somebody wrong on, you know, the Kennedy assassination, that those are all paid up and everything. Now you got to go check out a ton more books to go read a ton of stuff, and this thing contradicts that thing. And, man, that guy's a blimp on the front of his book, talking about Ezekiel's wheels and stuff. Huh. <sighs> Stressful, and therefore the Earth was seeded with a comet's dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they, they 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 do just randomly throw Pam Spermia in there for like a split mm-hmm. second. Well, they come back to it, yeah, two or three times. It's, that's a hot topic for them. Yeah. Well, it's it's because I guess that was a new thing at the time, quote unquote, new thing at the time. They kept coming back to back to your point about the the sun exploding. <laughs> they kept coming back to that one star system where the the sun was starting to grow and they're like well what do you do if you're a civilization living on a planet you get out of there and you look for a habitable planet and that's that's what they've done so perhaps either they have uh, germinated the uh, human species here or they have launched a probe and then came here well, those are the only two options <laughs> well they make that point about the probe where like it's once again it's not like a could a probe have come here it was a probe came here and we intercepted a transmission <laughs> from it i'm like who no one is fact checking anything going on right now like like it was just throw out something no one's gonna question it move on to the next thing i think that was when that guy you were talking about earlier with the hair uh was talking <laughs> comes he, back yeah he was another scientist and he kind of looks like <laughs> Uh, maybe a cross between Jack Black and the lead singer of Toto. So, <laughs> I, I was going to go with uh, Rasputin, maybe a little bit. <laughs> sure. I, I was going to go with Caveman that put on a um, lab coat. <laughs> a jacket with a tweed jacket with leather pads. <laughs> they didn't do him any any favors because half, like twice, like two separate times in this uh, special, they had Rod Serling doing a voiceover 
while this guy was talking but didn't have his audio playing. So it looked like this caveman with a tweed jacket on <laughs> was Rod Serling talking. It, and, and it looked like a bad Bruce Lee movie. I'm glad you recognize that too because I, I saw that and I was like, is the audio off on this? Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, I'll, I'll admit it. You can find this on YouTube. And that's why I was watching it and I'm like, is is the audio off? Is, is there something going on? Also, I did watch this on my television and I will say this right now. This apparently trying to be up converted onto my TV was like, no, please stop. This looks terrible. There's so many pixels. I had the same problem. It was it was really hard to see some of the scenes that I was looking at. It it, it was like that on the computer or on, yeah on the computer as well. I mean, it looked a little better, but it is YouTube and it is a almost forty year old movie. So or sorry, almost fifty year old movie. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was something oh. that they brought up about. Uh, this thing called Sidley, which is some sort of ancient power or transporter or uh, teleporter, I guess you would say. I, do you guys remember this discussion? This was some sort of ability that we had. I, I think they traced it back to India, you know, BC oh, yeah, sometime. Yeah, yes, I, okay, oh, yeah. And then I it's disappeared. It. So every time there was some like a, a whisper of some sort of mythical power, they're like, is this that Sidley we've been talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Nudge, nudge, sounds, nudge. Sounds like another uh, pandemic coming. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they just keep sprinkling it out there. Yeah, that was weird. What What was that all about? Yeah, I'd never heard of it or heard that word or anything. Maybe I should look it up, but whatever. I don't even know if Sidley is the right word. It sounds like what they were saying, but... I know exactly what you were talking about, but it's one of those things. I was watching the guy talk. I was paying attention, but no information was absorbing into my brain at that point. <laughs> well, there really wasn't a whole lot of information delivered to absorb, so I can't really fault you there. I, I, th I think my brain went into, like, you, you need to shut off right now because what you're about to hear is pointless. <laughs> there was something that they talked about that's not paranormal, but I was fascinated by it. Apparently, there are these... I wrote down key pool, and I don't know. It's some sort of Southern American word. It's not key pool, but it sounds like key pool. About these ropes and knots, the system of oh, yeah, of yeah. Uh, recording history. Apparently, they can record numbers and stuff with just these strings of knots. And they lost the way to read these things thousands of years ago, apparently. But just the idea that anybody could have ever read them just blows my mind because it's literally just string, like randomly tied together it was so insane yeah it, it is uh kipus um Kipus. okay there is, you go it's spelled weird it's k-h-i-p-u-s um yeah and it's it's basically they were like yeah how did these people who had no knowledge of the wheel or writing or anything like that build these perfectly fused stone structures or whatever that you can't even slide a, a knife uh into but like this kipu system is really cool like they that was sort of a system of writing uh at least some kind of communication that they would utilize and that's that's very unique in history i believe well don't quote me on that but um it is known in the peruvian andes they used it a lot in in the system when they would run to different settlements along the mountains there the the incan civilization so this knot system apparently there was there were there were ways to count on it, and I think there were ways to deliver messages with these. It's, it is really cool. They made a quote something about they could ask one of these knowers, I think, or rememberers, I think, is what they referred to them as. Yeah. If you know how, what the population of their village was on such and such a date, and they would actually be able to recall that using the ropes, 
And I just thought that was mind boggling because, like I said, they're literally just string. They're different colors. They're different sizes. They're homemade rope made out of vines or I don't know what they're made out of. But it, it just the whole concept just I was floored by that. That that was probably the most amazing thing out of the entire documentary. And it wasn't even paranormal. <laughs> yeah. it was just something kind of weird they brought up and yeah I, I i agree with you it was really weird and i'm like sitting there thinking i'm like that's very unique and something that's like very interesting that, that they brought up and pointed out and then i don't think they linked that to aliens i could be wrong no i don't think they did either i think that was mostly just to kind of illustrate the fact that they didn't think since people didn't have actual writing since they didn't have the wheel apparently how in the world could they build these structures that were so tightly fitted together and perfectly angled and cut from stone without metal tools and blah, 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 aliens. That was, <laughs> that's, that's a summary of it. <laughs> there was a certain point where they talked about an Indian village that made these little vessels in, in the shape, in the size, color of the different races of the world. And this was made like 1500 years ago or something. So they actually show these little pots, they're little little tiny things, and they're just human faces, but they're vague. They're different colors. They're in you know, the red, black. Uh, I can't remember what other colors I saw, but it, I didn't see different races when I looked at those. Those were just different characters to me. Oh, oh wait, are you talking about where they had the wall with the different faces that I know they brought up in other stuff? It was the same segment, but they they moved on to someplace in. Um, I want to say India is where they where they claimed it was from, but these were just little pots, and they kind of just panned across like a shelf full of little pots with with human faces, you know, carved into them or or sculpted into them. And he said, you know, these were made to represent each of the races on Earth, but they were made 1,500 years ago before you know anybody was traveling to South America to see uh, Indian people or uh, Native South Americans, whatever those people are actually called, or Europeans or whatever, you know, people weren't really traveling like that back then. So uh, this was a big deal to them that all these different carvings looked like the different races. But like I said to me, they all just looked like a red pot, a black pot, a yellow, they just different pots. I didn't really see the, the difference there. Yeah. I know that they also brought up crystal skulls for like a split second. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. They, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, am I thinking something else? Cause they said how, uh, how did they go from like no art or like no finely detailed art to these like finely detailed crystal skulls? That was a point. Well, also that they never worked in courts and they also said that they don't work in realism and the skulls are for the most part, you know, realistic looking. So those were two interesting points, but I think everybody pretty much knows that the crystal skulls are mostly hoax hoaxes. A terrible movie. <laughs> and a terrible movie. Uh, by the way, it's the 33, almost 34-minute mark, if you guys want to look at those little figurine things. It's right before they talk about that obelisk in India that's made out of a solid piece of iron. It's like 30 feet tall or something. That po that could not have possibly been made by humans had to have been made by aliens, even though it looks like somebody hammered it with a, with a hammer. But <laughs> They did, uh, uh, Justin, they did bring up that uh, wall of faces at Tiwanaku, which... They say the exact same thing. It's supposed to represent all the races of the the galaxy and blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> there's one that looks like a gray. No, because I know that that's been a mainstay of um, ancient aliens, that they'll bring that up. I think they even sent Crazy Hair Dude there to look at it. It would be great Where if he looked at one. It was, his, it was his face <laughs> on it, hair and everything. 
they did talk about the little uh, airplane. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what this thing's called. Like, an, it's not a jewel, but it's a little piece of gold that's shaped into like an airplane, but it's got like the Aztec stylization to it. If anybody watches Ancient Aliens, uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos actually has one pinned to his lapel when he's on air. Um, but yeah, they talk <laughs> they about those like as well. They built a model of it before, I know that. Yeah, they, they built, built a model, model and it. it actually flew, I believe. Um, yep. eh, don't quote me on that, but that's that's what I remember anyway. They'd make it fly, I mean, for, for the sake of that scene, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you throw something hard enough, anything can fly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like soared a, through the sky, all right. <laughs> a, a, a fancy paper airplane. I mean, come on. <laughs> Essentially, it was a lot of fun to uh, to watch, and um, like Ancient Aliens, which is pretty sensationalized. So was this, and I think I, I just have to wonder if they were doing this in the hopes that they would get a season out of it or a series, I should say, uh, or if they were, you know, literally just like. Hey, that Eric Von Daniken's got some ideas. Let's see if we can put it on some uh, film and go to all these crazy places um, and, and just film it. I don't know. Well, that was something I was thinking about is where were they looking to find a home for this? At, at 53 minutes or whatever the runtime is, 50, you know, almost 53 minutes, that's not an hour of television. So I don't know if it's that's like an, an, hour and a half. If it's an hour and a half special that they're going to air on on CBS on a Saturday afternoon or like, where would they deliver this particular film if they weren't yeah. to get a series? I, d- I don't know how all that worked in the seventies. Yeah. And you guys probably don't either. Good point. Oh yeah, de- definitely. It, I actually did a huge research. No, of course I don't. <laughs> um, so you said that the in search of ancient astronauts focuses more heavily on the Eric von Danigan stuff, right? I thought, I think the that's one that what came I read for this. I, I think that's what I read. Okay. Because I was waiting, I was sitting there patiently waiting to see a younger but somehow still looking as old as he currently is, Von Danigan, being interviewed for this. <laughs> I think Von Danigan was in prison during this time, actually. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to look that up now. I, I know he did some time. I don't know why. I can't remember. I, I have these weird nuggets of, of knowledge in my head, but they're not enough to actually put anything together. It's just like, oh, I know he spent time in jail in the 70s, and that's pretty much all I know about it. <laughs> Tell us more. I can't. I wish I could. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can talk about other stuff while I'm looking this up. I don't want the awkward pause because I'm probably going to get sidetracked and not even finish looking oh, it up. I just thought we'd edit it out. But okay, I'll keep talking. Um, <laughs> let's see. They created life on this on this uh, documentary. They were splashing water with amino oh, yeah. acids in it on a hot rock and then watching it all accumulate, which I thought that was fascinating. I don't I don't know a whole lot about this stuff. It's, uh, I'm, a, I'm not a smart man, so <laughs> this all fascinated me. I think they're probably counting on on that for that's maturity. <laughs> like you said, people not being able to follow up on it and just being like, "Whoa, what? Really?" Because that's basically what uh, I think it accomplished. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I felt that way with with basically anything they would tell me. It's like, oh well, it's this is entertaining, but I don't trust a word you're saying to me. <laughs> well, when they say stuff like this probe was definitely launched here. They they do say at the beginning of it. I think I remember them saying this is this is all speculation, but it's based on facts. Yeah, they do say that. <laughs> so they, they use the word facts actually in that disclaimer. This is our opinion, but it's based on facts. I think is what they, basically what they say. <laughs> yeah, these are our facts, but they're based on other facts. <laughs> there was one. There was one scene where they were talking about petroglyphs, and they were talking about the one in. 
uh, is here in California. I think they said it's Indio, Indio County. And it shows a couple squiggly lines and two circles with, like, looks like eyelashes coming out of them. It really looks like eyes with eyelashes. And then there's people real small below those two figures. And they said, you know, how else, if aliens didn't land here, how else would these Native Americans carve out this obvious UFO landing? And I'm like, well, <laughs> obvious. Obvious. I don't know if I would use the word obvious or not. I could see what you're getting at. I can see why you would suggest that, but obvious. I don't know. I did actually find the answer to the question we asked. Um, on February of 1970, he was sentenced to three and a half years of imprisonment and was fined 3,000 francs. Um, he served one year of the sentence before being released. What was the crime, does it say? Um, Ripping the tags off of mattresses? Falsifying hotel records, credit referring to in order to take out loans of for 130000 over a period of 12 years. Uh, the money he used was the for, so fraud. foreign research for his book. Two years later, yeah, fraud. Um, and living a quote-unquote playboy lifestyle. Once again, I only imagine him as his current age, but somehow younger. And Playboy lifestyle with him, I'm just seeing him being like, "Oh, I'm gonna get the, I'm not gonna get the early bird special today at the, at the, um, Denny's." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna go for the moons over my hammy. <laughs> moons over my aliens obviously landed on this planet. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> you know, if the joke doesn't work, you just keep shoving it in there until it's... <laughs> I didn't have anything, so that was my joke. I had, no, I had nothing else to contribute. <laughs> you I have nothing else to contribute, so, so just add to the terrible joke. No, I'm, I'm, I, I am shocked that he's not in this, but then again, I guess maybe he wasn't as interested to talk about his stuff at the time. I, I don't know. Or, I'm or not. Available. They certainly traveled for this, so. Yes, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got a lot of uh, great shots of this stuff. Like we said, the music was, uh, was great. It reminded me uh, of the Twilight Zone music, the old Bernard Herrmann mm -hmm. uh, yeah. scores and stuff. And you got to wonder, again, like, if this is probably CBS producing this, I, I guess I'm... I'm just guessing based on Twilight Zone and Rod Serling being involved and everything. So maybe they're using what they had. Uh, but Rod Serling does a great job as narrator. Uh, the writing is, is, besides the huge, gigantic leaps in logic sometimes, you know, the logic, uh, the, uh, the writing was pretty good. And uh, Serling's delivery makes it very poetic sounding. I found it very entertaining. And they covered such a wide breadth of stuff that... Um, even though some of the stuff was really out there, what they were saying, it was still presented pretty well and kept my interest in, is always fun to hear about, you know? Well, let me ask you guys, would you recommend somebody watch this film? And, and if the answer is yes, then what's your caveat? Because I'm sure you have one. Um, don't turn it into a drinking game every time they jump in logic, because um, you will be in the hospital. Uh, I recommend this as sort of a thing like if you are into the paranormal and stuff like that just to see how long a lot of the logic has been around for i mean they do take leaps there is some real big gaps and stuff but there's some interesting stuff that are questions we're still asking 50 years later now so it's kind of cool to see that you know stuff really i mean we've we've come so far but there's still stuff we don't know about too 
David? I agree completely. I think if you're into this stuff, if you're into our shows and all the things that we cover, this is going to be right up your alley and going to be entertaining if you take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth a watch if you are got nothing to do. I really like the history aspect to it. Not necessarily the stuff they talk about, but the the documentary itself is part of paranormal history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's important to preserve and important for people that are interested in the subject to at least look at once. Uh, I don't think you should believe most of what you see or hear there, but you should at least watch it, see what other people's opinions were back in the day, what people thought was fact back in the day. And uh, just kind of give yourself a little perspective on where we are now, like like you guys said. Well, another interesting thing is this is, I mean, they, they talk about the moon landing. They obviously have some, you know, stuff with, you know, us going to the moon and everything. And it kind of, the episode and, or the special ends with like a, you know, we'll be going, you know, to other planets and this and, the, you know, and then going to other stars and everything, you know, in the very near future. And I'm like, oh, we're still not there yet. <laughs> It's like when you watch an 80s movie about the the 2020s and you have flying cars and stuff, and you're like, man, (laughs) we got really screwed up somewhere. So something that's, and actually it's funny because I didn't even pick this. Um, I I mean, this this documentary, I think it was David, you picked it? Yeah, this was suggested to me uh, by a listener, which uh, thank you uh, for that. Yeah, thanks a lot, listener. I, 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 you know what? I'm, I'm gonna be doing some um, cooking in a little bit. Can I, can I get some of that salt you just had there? <laughs> uh, a little pinch. I just found this interesting. Going, you know, with the, the, the way they went about, you know, saying some of the stuff that obviously aliens did all this. Uh, I recently just got done with uh, Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock, and I'm not trying to do some push for his book or anything like that. I just recently got done with it, and I thought this was gonna be another Eric Von Danigan level thing. And it's kind of not, and it kind of brings up the point of, he brings up the point in the book more of, he feels there's evidence for a previous civilization that we aren't aware of. Not something with flying saucers and everything like that, just a culture that existed prior to the ones we are aware of. And I know that with, you know, this documentary that we watch with Ancient Aliens, they always jump to aliens, but I was wondering what's your guys' opinion on do you think it's more aliens or do you think there's some missing part of history that we just aren't aware of yet? Or am I just talking out my ass? <sighs> That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> We're both chomping at the bit to tackle this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Asking the big questions, getting the short answers. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe. Sure. I, I suppose it's possible that that there was some civilization before us that was highly advanced and they somehow got wiped out and we never saw maybe their island sunk to the bottom of the sea or it was another Pompeii or something along those lines and we just haven't seen any of this technology but uh, I haven't seen enough evidence to make me think that this is a real possibility it's just more of a fun theory for me if anything yeah there's surely holes in the historical record and even, you know, predating the historical record, obviously there's uh, some big gaps in there that we're not exactly sure of, but I don't know if there's any kind of big civilization, let's just say like Babylon type uh, civilization before Babylon, before that kind of uh, stuff started springing up. Now, is is it possible that we have one of those, like, if you think of the... um 
don't know if you guys ever saw the H.G. Uh, Wells Time Machine movie with Guy Pierce and uh, Jeremy Irons. Did you guys I didn't, remember that? No, no. Covering it next week on <laughs> Nights at the Round Table. Was that what we came to the <laughs> yeah, conclusion Nights of? at the Round Table. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, they, they do this whole thing where he, he goes forward so far in time that humanity has kind of evolved into two different species. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. civilization has, it's so far in the future that all of our cities and stuff are basically either underwater or they're ground to dust or, you know, it's like there's no traces hardly at all of, of the past except for like a few things uh, here and there and one very robust um, computer of Orlando Jones uh, um, <laughs> whose battery still works. So kudos to them for making that. But um, that's the idea, you know, of the earth changing over so much time. Uh, if there was a civilization, then it's been buried and gone somehow with the uh, the changing of the landscape. So, like, I, sure, maybe, maybe something like that could have happened way back in the past. You know, we're talking millions of years or or more. I guess I don't know, but it's 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 hard to wrap your head around. When you say it out loud, it's it's even harder, isn't it? Yeah, really, it really is. Yeah, like. <laughs> That's why I try to give the visual of the time machine thing, because they did such a good job of showing how the landscape changed and, and why, you know, New York, I think it was at the time, looked completely like a jungle almost, that he woke up and stopped the time machine. I feel like I'm stealing a joke from blurry photos, but uh, a future so distant, it might as well be Earth's past. Yeah, I, I, I I swear I've heard that, and I'm getting one of your... I'm getting you were the other one's voice in my head saying it in some and that that's exactly it yeah, yeah. you're right that's... a future so distant it might as well be our past yeah aliens Ali yeah. aliens, aliens. <laughs> no i mean like i said it's just i i i know that a lot of people are very against like the whole like oh you know ancient people couldn't have built this stuff they had to it's it's i know that the tables have kind of turned on that to where it's like well we're just being you know dumb dumb towards you know i mean because the human brain's been evolved for a long time so saying that oh these people couldn't have figured it out it's like they probably could have like who's to say how smart they were or what they could have done so that's why i'm like i i i love you know the ufos i love stuff like that but always chalking anything you can't explain up to that immediately is just i'm like it's it's just lazy in my in my opinion it's it's lazy um Archaeology and its lazy research on the whoever's, but cutting edge. Part. But it was cutting edge in this particular documentary yeah, because yeah, no one else had done it. Yet. Be, yeah, because it was the new thing. But now, it, I mean, stuff's kind of turned around again. So, who knows? Who knows? In five more years, we could be sitting here listening to this ep episode and being like, "Oh, those those crazy people with their ideas back then." <laughs> we all know it was, of course, mongooses that took over the world and ruled it for thousands of years and. We built, you know, all these things for them. You've heard that theory as well, huh? Yes, I have. <laughs> that theory that I just came up with. <laughs> it started here. There was a stone built into the side of this structure that was so magnetic, magnet spun. And then the mongooses took over. <laughs> they carved a crude mongoose into the side of the rock. To indicate it was a snake. 
<laughs> their deadly and mortal enemy. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's all making sense it's now. It's full circle. <laughs> We've cracked it. We blew the lid off of it. <laughs> the synchronicity. Oh, oh man, no, no, no. <laughs> on that note, thank you for joining us on, on tonight's. That note. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, this was a fun one. Um, Justin, what uh, what have you been up to lately, and how can people find you? You can, of course, find Zingness on any podcasting platform for the most part. Um, you can also find Zingness on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, covering nerdy topics, fun stuff. Uh, dip in toe into the paranormal because I always say that, you know, paranormal, pop culture, they, they go hand in hand sometimes. And, of course, doing these fun run roundtables with you guys. And um, I think you guys have an announcement, and I would love to, uh, you know, maybe get my hands on that one to do a roundtable on and hit nudge nudge. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where we just make fun of ourselves for two hours. You are okay. I will I, do it. I could I absolutely, absolutely do that. I am going to say this now. Drinks, but... I am going to say this now. The image you guys released, I am not the only one to think this. Derek, are you? I know you're not wearing a cape, but it looks like you're wearing a cape in that picture. <laughs> How do you know I'm not wearing a cape? Because <laughs> I can see the tag for the shirt, but still. You don't think capes have tags? <laughs> No, I, Somebody I just gotta know imagine. how to wash them. Yes. <laughs> I, I just imagine like the, the shoot for that. You're like David sitting there. He's like Derek. Come on, you, you you gotta wear something that's more of the you know along the lines of the average person. Derek goes, "Don't worry, fam. I got you." Whips on his cape. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Derek kept saying, "I'm a super sleuth." <laughs> <laughs> you said well, you like, wouldn't I don't tell know what that means, but that. now now it makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, oh, what Justin's talking about is David and I are actually um, we're, we're putting together a documentary on a strange window area in Southern California called Anza Borrego State Park. And we're going to kickstarter this thing and it actually launches on March 10th. David, take it over. That's uh, probably a couple of days ago. Uh, hopefully, if, if this all goes to plan. Yeah, it is a investigation. It is an investigation into all this mysterious phenomena that's happening in southern california just east of san diego guys i don't know why i've turned into jeff goldblum all of a sudden but <laughs> here we are um <laughs> life uh finds a way uh, finds a way in the desert uh, it's very hot right Hi-ho. and so there's cryptids there are ufo sightings there are uh paranormal stories ghost stories from the old west there's ancient rock art that's there it's Sandman. Got so much cool stuff. Yeah, the the Borrego Sandman, which you guys, if you have listened to my uh, 2019 Miscrypted contest, he was a contestant on there. So that kind of led us to do this uh, documentary. And right now, as this comes out, uh, we are in the midst of a Kickstarter for it. So follow the links on our social media to find out how you can contribute to this project and get us funded because if we don't get funded we're not going to make the thing <laughs> but um <laughs> if you don't have social media you just go to kickstarter and search for shadows in the desert that should be all you need to to do but the the subtitle is high strangeness in the borrego triangle and we should probably add that this is a a region that nobody's talked about before there are no documentaries there are no tv specials there are no books even on this subject so we're basically finding something that hasn't existed or hasn't existed in media at least and and we're giving you guys something fresh and new for once yes yeah. so everyone do That's... not fear 
Cape Man and Jeff Goldblum impersonator are on the case. (laughs) (laughs) What is is this? This is a a tumbleweed. We've got uh, tumbleweeds over here, yes? In in all seriousness, I, I am very excited for this and um i'm i'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm able to be vaguely a part of it in the sense of mocking you guys beforehand <laughs> <laughs> well we were gonna put justin in it but then he started mocking us so now it, we pretty I much mean, have to you, leave him out you you needed your cape budget i understand you had to make cuts somewhere <laughs> on that note <laughs> but, yeah so uh go go check out it we got a trailer for it uh on the kickstarter and uh we would very much appreciated if you could help us make this project come true and basically it is like Derek said very unique it's very fresh and very cool and there's a lot of stuff to talk about a lot of stuff to get to so all the help you can give would be very much appreciated yeah and you can find blurry photos blurryphotos.org you can check out twitter blurry underscore photos blurry photos podcast on facebook and all that good stuff instagram as well i'm on there getting some uh, deep dives into things lately mm-hmm. last episode was the old falcon lake incident up in canada so we're getting real weird over here and about to start season nine of the show with uh, my Ooh. annual drinking episode my annual irish themed episode uh so lots of lots of fun stuff going on but uh a lot of a lot of concentrating on this documentary right now <laughs> so <laughs> hence um, more round tables probably coming up <laughs> I should probably say I can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. Just search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Um, it, it's out there. You'll find it. Uh, also, or it will find you, or you'll find me. Also, you can check me out on Paranormal Caught on Camera every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on Travel Channel. Are they letting you wear the hat finally? They let me wear a hat finally. Yay! Not allowed to have anything on it, but I can at least wear a hat. Well, there you go. We'll call it a night, which is now going to be the new thing that we say at the end of the show. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I've been David. I've been Derek. And I'm Zinger. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Bye. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.